Okay, looking at uh, our uh, scripture that we're talking about, we are going over the Apostles' Creed, uh, not in extremely intense detail. We're not doing an exhaustive Bible study and all the truths that are there, but just kind of a general revisiting of why we do this every Sunday and what we're saying. Uh, our scripture we've been using is uh, written by Peter, where he says this, the, the Apostle Peter says, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. So Peter's writing to the church and going over the basics again with them. He said, look, I know you guys know this stuff, but it's important that we keep revisiting them. So there's a lot of people at very, various levels uh, along their walk of faith. Some people, you know, very established, very devout Christians, since you're a knee-high to a grass bar, you can teach this stuff better than I can. I mean, you really know this. But it's still good for you to hear it again as well. It's just always good to be reminded of these things. Other people, this is new for you, and this is all. Oh, I didn't know that. No, that, you know, and give, at a minimum, again, we're not doing an exhaustive study on all the details of this. But at a minimum, you know, give you some more questions you can ask and studies that you can make on your own. One of the great things about our life groups is on uh, during the week, we go over, if you haven't joined a life group, you should, where you get a chance to really get into more detail about the stuff that I talk about on a Sunday morning. Uh, so there's those people growing in their faith. This is all new to them. And then there's people who, quite frankly, are not devout Christians, but are coming and they're listening and they're kind of checking out this Christianity thing. And that's fabulous. We're glad you're here. And again, trying to relate to you as well and explain to you why we say what we say and what we believe what we believe. So we've been going through this creed that we all stood and said together. This is the statement of faith for the fundamental Christian truths. Last week, we ended under, after us talking about he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. Historical fact. Boom. This happened. That's why the creed refers to Pontius Pilate, because he is a historical figure. It's a, it's a statement of fact that these events occurred. Okay? Of this, there is no question. Only the craziest, strangest person in the world would say that Jesus didn't really live. You know what I mean? Just, you can't believe anything if you think that's the case. This is very well documented. All right? Then, after we get to that point where it says he was crucified, died, and was buried, we say the next part. The next phrase says, he descended to the dead. Now, let me explain to you what this means. And for those of you new in your faith, this is, yeah, gee, what does that mean? Uh, again, we won't get into a detailed, big, heavy Bible study here about this. Again, if you want to talk about it in greater detail at your life groups, then, then do that. But... Uh, what essentially happened, when mankind turned their back on God in the beginning, you know, as shown in the account of Adam and Eve, you know, it wasn't about the fruit. It was about just turning their back on God and rejecting God and, and now wound up in a very bad place. This was a big, big deal that happened and put us in the mess that we're in today. Thankfully, Jesus came to save us from the mess, but we were in a big mess uh, because of, of sin that came into the world. Now, what you have to understand... This might be disconcerting for some of you, but try and, and hear me out on this. You have to understand, there is no middle ground. I know a lot of people, especially people who are coming, trying to think about Christianity for the first time, or just checking us out, or you're really new in your faith. A lot of people think, well, you know, I, I know there's a God somewhere out there, and I'm checking it out, and, and there's some evil, you know, but I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle. I haven't really decided yet. What you don't understand is the point of fact is, and this isn't to insult you, it's just the truth. There is no middle. You are either on one side or the other. Now, 
Granted, on the other side, there's everything from the casual person who's a pretty nice guy all the way to, you know, horrible, evil people. But make no mistake, if you haven't truly decided to devoutly serve God and turn your life uh, and experience God in your life through Jesus, you are under that other system, okay? And it's called the system of Satan. Again, it sounds awfully extreme, and we're not saying you're possessed or anything crazy like that. It's just that without God, you are on the other side. There is no middle ground. There's zero zilt nada. You're either all in with God or you're out. It's that simple. Again, offensive to some people because they don't think of it in those terms. And they like to think that they haven't made a decision yet, but promise you, by not deciding, you've already made a decision. We're born into the world making the decision. Fool you with God. We don't want God. The fact that you're here this morning even listening to me shows that you're considering becoming uh, associated with Christ in your life, which is great, and we hope that you do. But don't fool yourself. There is no middle ground. Now, part of this deal, what happened when mankind turned their back on Satan, instead of yielding themselves to God and saying, God is the controller and determiner of my soul, we basically turned to Satan and said, you have control of my soul. And this literally happened. Uh, we learned this from some of the teachings that Jesus talked about. Uh, but uh, what happened before Jesus came, when a person died, uh, they went to a place of the dead. We don't know where it is. It's probably outside Madison somewhere. But, I, you know, who knows where it is? It's, just, it's somewhere, you know, <laughs> not on the earth, whatever realm. There's the place of the dead, okay? Now, in this place of the dead, there were basically two compartments, one was a place not very pleasant for people who are awaiting eventual judgment and, uh, you know, that whole deal. But then the other half was a place of comfort. All the people who truly loved God and served God for all these thousands of years before Jesus came, they did not go to heaven. They went to this place. It was a place of comfort, but it was still a place of the dead um, waiting for the Messiah. That was, in fact, what was happening. Um, why? Because mankind had yielded the right to control of their souls to Satan in the rebellion. Satan held the keys of death, is what the Bible says. Now what happens, Jesus comes, God in the flesh lives amongst us, among us, allows, surrenders himself as the ultimate lamb of God, uh, and died on the cross. They stuck him in a grave. Well, while he's in that grave, what happens according to this teaching in the Bible, as we say in this creed, he descended to the dead. This is what happened. He's just not sitting there. He goes to this place of the dead. He shows up and basically has a butt-kicking <laughs> conference with Satan and takes away the keys of death. And now he has the right to all men's souls and took all of those people and freed them so they could now go to heaven. Now we as believers, when we die, we just go directly to heaven. We don't go to this place waiting because the promise has been fulfilled. Jesus has come. That's what happened. It was a big stinking deal to them for sure and, uh, and really freaked the willies out of Satan. In fact, the Bible says if Satan would have known what was going to happen, he would have never crucified Jesus. He would have never inspired the hate that happened as a result of this. He probably thought, this is awesome. This is great. Uh, he hates God. Here, God is in the flesh. He knew who he was from the very beginning. Tried to give him all kinds of static. Finally got these people all riled up. And they arrested him and beat him up. He's laughing and he dies and thinks, yes, yes, we got him. And then, of course, Jesus shows up. Ah, 
And, you know, he takes away the keys of death. Satan is now a humiliated, defeated foe. And then as we go to the next phrase, and on the third day, he rises again. Whoa. And that changed everything. Again, had Satan known what was going to happen, the Bible says, he had never done it. He thought he was triumphing. In fact, he was signing his own defeat when this happened. Now, when Jesus raised from the dead, this is the key fundamental transitional point in the Christian faith. Without the resurrection, everything else doesn't mean jack squat. Now, this is important because a lot of people will concede, well, you know, Jesus was a good man, a very good man. He was a prophet, you know. He was a good teacher, you know, you know like Mohammed or Buddha or anybody else. And they think they're being very intellectual and open-minded when they say these things. But you don't understand. Without the resurrection, that isn't point in what it was. That Jesus was just a good teacher, right? He was like anybody else. You know, lots of people, well, he did miracles. Well, there are people who, who did miracles as well. There's some in history. No one liked Jesus. I mean, he was at a level beyond anyone else, granted. But you could just concede without the resurrection that he was just a prophet or a good teacher, which a lot of people think. Uh, but it is the resurrection from the dead. Not even just the crucifixion. A lot of people were crucified. Tons of people were crucified. The Romans were brutal for crucifying people. You know, it, it was just a terrible way of, 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 of uh, bringing the death sentence on people. In fact, when Jesus first came to his disciples and said, unless you pick up your cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. They had no idea what he's talking about. They're thinking, he's a crazy, what are you talking about? See, we think cross, we think of the pretty crosses around our necks, or on our rings, or on our Bibles, and we understand the cross. They didn't know. The cross was a horrible torture device designed to kill people in the most painful, miserable way possible. It would be like someone today saying, if you're going to follow me, you got to grab your hangsman's noose and follow me. Or you got to grab your electric chair and follow me, or whatever ways of killing people. Uh, it was very odd when he said that to them. They thought, what are you talking about? Pick up your cross. The cross is a horrible thing. Lots of people died on the cross. Jesus wasn't the only person who died on the cross. But that resurrection Sunday, when he came out of that tomb, wow, this changes everything. Because now he is God established in the flesh that nothing can hold him. He has complete dominance over everything. He showed he had dominance over the laws of nature in itself, healing people, calming seas, walking on water. But when you raise from the dead, that is the ultimate. There's nothing more final and more powerful in determining over the human existence than death. And when Jesus walked out of that tomb, he says, even death cannot hold me because he is God. That was the powerful thing. Uh, in fact, the New Testament teaches us, if, it, if there is no, because even in the early Christian experience, people were saying, well, you know, yeah, he, he was Jesus, but he didn't really raise. They, they, some people couldn't even get their heads around that he could raise from the dead. Paul said, look, if there's no resurrection, then this is, this is all worthless. This is all worthless. In fact, he said, if there's no resurrection, let's eat, drink, and, and party. Right? Spring break. Woo! That's it. I mean, if there, because that's how important this is. Everything else that we celebrate in Christianity, it's significant, but it's not as important. This is what sets it apart. This is what sets Christianity apart from everything else. You can go visit Muhammad's tomb. You can go visit the tombs of any great teacher throughout the history of mankind, religions and all this stuff, but you cannot visit and see where Jesus is because he's not there. 
He was raised from the dead 2,000 years ago. This is absolutely fundamental to the Christian faith. It's what establishes this different and in fact proved that he was in fact God in the flesh and that everything he taught and all that's leading up to it had all the veracity and solidity of, of truth because of what happened on that incredible day when he raised from the dead. It's a big stinking deal to us. So he descended to the dead and on the third day he rose again. Then he was with his disciples for a while, uh, about four days or so, whatever it was. And then he ascended into heaven is the next phrase. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. That's where we believe he is. He went back to where he was in the first place. It's just the circle, if you will. He came and he went back. All right? And then this next phrase. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will have no end. What are we saying? This is not over. This isn't over. We're just, this is the halftime of the big game. Okay? Jesus is going to come back again. Literally, and when he comes back, the world's going to, because most people are not devout Christians. They don't believe this nonsense. It's all nonsense to them. When Jesus comes back, the whole world's going to freak. Ah! And, uh, and then all of this comes to an end. Um, now, that's one of the reasons why we as Christians, we don't get as freaked out about all the doomsday scenarios that people talk about. In fact, it frustrates secular people. They say, well, why don't Christian, you, Christian people, why don't you get more concerned about, you know, nuclear proliferation or, you know, power problems here or, you know, killer bees from Africa coming and going to kill us all or, or global warming. Yeah, like Wisconsin, we're going to worry about global warming. You know, <laughs> bring it on. I don't care. <laughs> well, LA will fall into the ocean. Sucks to be them. You know, I... Bring the ocean closer to us, man. That'll be great for as far as I'm concerned. Shorter trip for vacation. So, but why don't we freak out about those things? Because it's not how it ends. How do you know? Because we read the ending. We read the book. The Bible's very clear on how all this ends. It's not going to end because of bugs invading from Africa. It's not going to end because there's too many nuclear bombs or nuclear power plants around the world. It's not going to end because global warming gets so hot that everybody starts floating away. It's not going to happen. We know exactly how it's going to happen. The Bible's extremely clear about how it's going to happen. That's why we are people people of faith we just don't get all freaked out now people who don't know don't know jesus they're secular they freak about all these things oh what about this oh what about that oh, oh. and then you know okay you know it's where the world that they come from they don't understand they haven't read the ending they don't know the ending they don't believe in the ending okay but we know jesus is going to come back now when i don't know it might, I think it's going to be a lot sooner than we think because I think all those things could become a reality but for the fact that Jesus is going to show up. Uh, mankind is by nature destructive and we probably are on a path to all kinds of craziness. But you can recycle your little brains out. Uh, you can, you know, reduce your carbon footprint to the size of a bug. You can do all this. It's not going to change anything. Because that's not how this is going to end. Jesus Christ is going to come back. And when he comes back, he's going to set all of this straight. And this will be the end of it. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. A place that is not full of hatred and wars and killing and disease. And all the stuff that makes life so miserable. We as people of faith don't get all that freaked out about what happens in this life. Now, we got to deal with this life. 
We have the same struggles as a lot of people have, but we have a God that we put our trust in and who does miracles in our lives, who helps us through life. We need to be citizens of this world, the best citizens we can be. And while we can get irritated by Washington and all the stupidity that goes on in our nation, at the end of the day, we don't get as freaked out as everyone else because we're just passing through. This is not our home. This is not our ultimate hope. My hope is not that someday Washington will get it right. <laughs> Thank God. Because <laughs> that's probably never going to happen because they're a bunch of nitwits. All right? We are passing through. That's why if someone dies in the life of a Christian, devout Christian, it's not grievous and horrible and miserable. You know, as a pastor, I've been to all kinds of funerals. We do funerals for everybody. I've been to funerals of people who are not devout Christians. They are miserable. They howl. They cry. They're miserable. They, I've seen them pass out from grief and fall on the ground and all these things. And, you know, it's quite interesting to watch, but you, know, you feel bad for them because for them, that's it. There is no hope. But you go to the funeral of a devout Christian you don't see those kind of expressions. Oh, there's crying, there's sadness. You know, when I die, I hope you're all miserable and cry. But, uh, but there's not hopelessness. At some point, it's going to be a party. When I die, I hope there's a major party celebrating because I made it, praise God. Thank God. That's what we're celebrating. He got out of here already. Yahoo! All right? Because our hope is in Christ. It is a glorious, wonderful hope that drives us. It's not a hope like crossing your fingers hope. I'm telling you, it's a reality. How do you know? Because we have met Christ. We've experienced his love and his power. This isn't something we're just thinking and hoping and crossing our fingers for. Our lives have been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ, which we'll talk about when we pick up to the next part of this. Uh, it's not just theology and ideas that we're thinking. We are literally experiencing this wonderful God that we're talking about. That's what brings all this hope. That's how we know this is true. We know that he will come again and that his kingdom will have no end. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth and that we can rejoice in knowing you. Our hope is in you, God. While we're here, we need to be the best citizens that we can be and deal with all the stuff that we got to deal with in life. But at the end of the day, our fears are not based on what happens to us here. Our hope is in you. We celebrate you because your kingdom will come and will never end. Amen. Amen.